Hey everyone, this is Connor. Before we get started, I just want to encourage you to check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. If you become a patron, you'll get access to multiple exclusive episodes every month. And you can also join our patrons-only Discord chat, where Pete and I talk informally with the Podside Picnic community. So if you like the show, go ahead and check us out at patreon.com slash podsidepicnic. Thanks. everyone welcome back to Podside picnic i am here with the chewy to my han solo <laughs> <laughs> okay that was improv good good work pete <laughs> that was nicely done wow thank you <laughs> you were quick you were quick on your feet my man just like chewy um there you go and anyway uh i could have done a r2d2 c3po thing there but like we all like i mean come on Han and Chewie are way cooler. <laughs> Let's be real there. Like, um, anyway, uh, that's where we are. We are in the midst of Star Wars month. Uh, we're recording this December 1st. December here on Podside Picnic is Star Wars month because there is a new Star Wars coming out. There's also a Star Wars show. There's a lot of Star Wars going on, as there is every year in December because Disney has decided that that's just how it's going to be from now until the end of time, which is, I'm sure, one thing we'll be discussing. But we're here to, Star Wars Month for us is mostly going to be about revisiting the original trilogy, which we're going to do in some detail with guests. We're also going to look at at least one classic Star Wars novel. We're also going to talk about things on the edges of Star Wars, maybe get into some video games, some RPGs. But, uh, you know, as always, we're here to nerd out. Um, we've got some great guests coming up to talk about the actual movies and things like that. Today, this is just Pete and I doing our intro, and we're just going to talk about what we think about Star Wars, our relationship to Star Wars, that kind of thing. So, welcome, Pete. How we doing, man? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. I, uh, um, I, you know, like six months ago, I got this this big roll top desk, and I've been really excited about it. the The chair I have had is like a foot too short, so I've been like putting phone <laughs> books on it and shit. So, uh, my wife for. Uh, you know, like the around Turkey Day online shopping thing got me a chair that's actually the right height. So I'm using my desk like a normal person now. It's really cool. Wow, you've got a big boy chair. I do. I have a big boy chair <laughs> and I put it together myself. <laughs> <laughs> that's exciting. Thank you. Uh, thank you, apps. Thank you, Mrs. Pete. Uh, for, um, I'm going to start calling her Mrs. Pete until she throws something at me. It won't yeah. be long. I'm going to get canceled. I'm sorry for, for that. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, <laughs> that's that's exciting news that your desk is finally functional. Um, how how was your how was your uh, holiday? It was good, man. I mean, it was very I did do a Friendsgiving and got immensely drunk, um, which was positive. And the turkey situation was sort of a classic Thanksgiving turkey situation where I don't want to diss on my hosts who did a great job with, with a lot, with so many things and were wonderful and they, the, the food was phenomenal. It was just a classic Thanksgiving situation of like somehow the turkey always almost burns down the house and you have a lot of smoke and that's just, it wouldn't be Thanksgiving without it. Last year at Thanksgiving, I almost burned down the house in someone's fireplace. That's a different story though. But uh, no, it's been good. I think like it, it's, look, I will I will just make a confession here. It's been a very intensive, isolating few months of writing for me here at writing school. 
I've definitely been having that cliched, you know, kind of boarding school experience where you get dropped into a new environment and things are very intense and you just kind of buckle down for a while, uh, <laughs> despite being a, you know, 29 year old man here at graduate school. And that's, it's been, it's been interesting. I'm trying to break out of that a little bit. Star Wars month for me is actually an attempt in some ways to get out of that mode and kind of turn back towards the world and out in the world, there is Star Wars happening. And honestly, I'm not sure that we're gonna have a ton to say about like the contemporary thrust of what Disney's doing this month that might happen in the future. But, um, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, the role that Star Wars has played in my life. And that's what I want to ask you, Pete. Like, I know you have Star Wars stories going way back. So, so hit me with, hit me with some of your formative Star Wars experiences. Okay. Uh, well, um, I saw, uh, a new hope in the theaters. I think I was seven years old. It was certainly the year it came out. And I remember even, and somebody must have said this to me because it's not the thought of a seven-year-old, but my thought was this changes sci-fi. This changes movies because all of the science fiction that happened before this was, was largely bullshit. Like it wasn't epic in scope. It wasn't, uh, uh, it wasn't designed for audiences to get excited about it and looped in to the extent that it was. Like, Star Wars, even at that point, was obviously unique. And it's something I think about a lot as we're coming into this. What? Like, what made it so unique? Because it's obviously pulp space opera. Why is it better than, I don't know, the Black Hole or Forbidden Planet or all the other stuff that came out? So that's you're you're opening up onto so many interesting questions, and I think like what you're immediately making me think of is this was really the first film franchise that uh, fully, and this was the the butt of many jokes for decades. It was the first film franchise that really harnessed the power of merchandising, right? Oh yeah. I mean, famously, Star Wars had the action figures tied to the movie, which were a huge phenomenon. I'm sure when you were a kid, did you have the Star Wars action figures? Oh yeah, I had a ton of them, and and uh, I used to collect their. They had it was like baseball cards, but it was like C3PO and R2D2. It's like the, the individual stills from the game as baseball cards. And I would I would blow my allowance on these things and get the completely inedible gum and get like the same four cards over and over, just trying to get Luke Skywalker, you know? <laughs> that's that's perfect. And it, it touches <laughs> something really interesting. You know, for us doing a, a sci-fi podcast, a genre storytelling podcast, a mass culture podcast to to an extent, um, we take the fact we take for granted something that Star Wars pioneered, which is that you create this IP, as we now like to say. Everyone likes to sound like they're wise. Everyone's like IP. That's like a common phrase now, which is hilarious. He, of course, means intellectual property. But you take the IP of something like Star Wars, uh, which prior to Star Wars would have just been like one, maybe two movies and you know, if you had further sequels, they'd probably be diminishing in quality, like whatever. But like, you know, you take that and instead of just generating a couple of movies and making some money on it, you squeeze as much blood from that stone as you possibly can. Um, and again, we take that for granted now. I mean, we've reviewed Marvel movies on this podcast, Marvel movies which grow out of longstanding IP uh, from comic books and then get squeezed to death and rebooted and, you know, are this, you know, multi-billion dollar cornerstone of the entire culture industry. We just assume that's what's going to happen now to these most popular 
uh, stories. And Star Wars, I mean, really, a little over 40 years ago, began to invent that for both better and worse. And I don't think it's just for worse, but it is interesting to contemplate that it was invented within your lifetime. And yeah, I, I mean, I think I think you're hitting on something important there. It is very easy to turn this into a discussion of Disney and Warner Brothers and all of these huge conglomerates that that are clearly screwing with our lives are are bad. And I mean, that's a discussion we can have now and again. But that's not all that's happening here. Like I. What a what an empty hole in my childhood there would be if if Star Wars hadn't have been there. Yeah, I mean, again, another thing we take for granted, like as wised up Twitter savvy, don't mind if I say so, podcasters, <laughs> um, like we get that we're supposed to reflexively say, like, oh yeah, you know, Disney's destroying everything. They're they're uh, gobbling up all the IP and regurgitating it back to us. And then Star Wars, of course is an example that people who don't like Disney and what they've done to culture love to cite because they bought Star Wars for a huge amount of money, bought all the intellectual property associated with it, and now they are putting out Star Wars uh, content left and right, including basically one movie a year at least. And again, I mean, I get why that upsets people. I get that there's an incredibly lively discussion that we'll probably only barely touch on to be had about original trilogy versus... Uh, what's happening now versus prequels and all the rest of it. And, the, you know, the whole, by, by the way, multi-generational galaxy of Star Wars novels that have happened and comic books and everything else. There's so much to be discussed there. And some of our guests are better qualified to do it than we are. But, like, you know, you said the gap, the gap that would happen. Like, you know, you're someone who you are a part of a lot of different fandoms, and you're also a fan of a lot of things that are not, particularly prominent in mass culture. Some some things you love are, are actually kind of obscure. But at the same sure. time, it's safe to say that a big part of your identity would not exist without something like Star Wars, right? Sure. And I mean, I would I even be a science fiction fan? I mean, I think I would. But I mean, it's 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 I absolutely was playing uh Jedi's out in you know, in the, behind the school. Like that this sort of uh, uh, tie-in to, to Star Wars, it's it was almost a universal among boys my age, and yeah. I, I I let's turn this around for a second. What what Star Wars movies were coming out like during your formative years? How how close were you to the material? Like were your parents into it and like forced it upon you? Like what was your experience? Well, before I answer that, there we go. Nice. Ready to rock. rock. Okay. Uh, Well, I have some bad news for you, Pete, which is that if you'll recall, I was in elementary school in the late 1990s and around the turn of the 21st century. Oh, no. (laughs) And you know what that means if you're a Star Wars, (laughs) if you're a Star Wars person. It means that I went to see episode one in theaters. Uh, And it also means that even though when I saw it, gosh, what I would have been eight or nine years old. You know, even then I knew that it wasn't very good, to say the least. Now remember, you're you're exactly 20 years older than me, so you were you're exactly my age when this is all happening, which is my age now, which is funny to contemplate. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm gonna get to, we're gonna get to your stories about episode one, but first I want to say, yeah, I, I I saw it. I don't remember really seeing it in the theaters. I knew it was a big deal culturally, even kind of pre-internet and everything else. I guess I was sort of I listened to the radio, I listened to NPR. Like I knew it was going on in the world more than most kids that age probably. Well, you couldn't but, buy a can of soda without having uh, like Darth Maul on it. 
Right. Well, the merchandising was just overpowering. That is also very true. And anyway, um, but what happened after that, I think the, the, the way that Star Wars has most stuck with me is that I had this really good friend when I was growing up um, who was like a year or two younger than me. And we hung out, you know, all the time, as you do with your best friend at that age. And a lot of it was at his his uh, mom and stepdad's house. And we had a selection of probably, I don't know, I want to say seven or eight VHSs that we would put on. And maybe we'd sit down and watch them or maybe do something else while they were on. But, like, we watched these movies as one did over and over and over again. Sure. And, you know, if you're, I don't know... <laughs> It's going to be interesting to think about kids now playing with iPads and having streaming services and all the incredible daily digital media. But it's like I'm I'm still I'm not yet 30, but I'm old enough that like <laughs> so much of my childhood was like replaying the same VHS that your parents or someone else's parents put in over and over again. And some of those VHSs were the remastered versions of the original trilogy, which we all, we did watch over and over again. Um, we also watched episode one <laughs> over and over and over oh, again. Wow. Uh, which is like is interesting because I think even at that age, we knew very well that episode one wasn't as good as the original trilogy. But we still had this sort of like again, this is this might have been I think some of my first encounters with irony <laughs> as like a nine, ten, eleven year old child sure. took place through the prism of episode one because we knew that Jar Jar Binks was really stupid and annoying, and we knew that this was a corny movie. And, like, you know, my friend's mom, very smart lady, would come downstairs and make fun of the movie sometimes. It was just like, we got that this was a movie you made fun of. And we also watched Spaceballs, by the way. Spaceballs came in there a little bit later as one that we watched, which, of course, parodies the original trilogy. Um, so, again, I swear, I learned this kind of reflexive, savvy, wise-up irony, which, obviously, I leaned very heavily on <laughs> in my Twitter life and just in general, intellectually and aesthetically. I learned that mode through watching episode one and making fun of it, uh, which I think is is notable. <laughs> it is. So uh, there's no question we'll get into this question deeper in a later episode. But do you think sort of the 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 generation you were when you saw the films matters? Like is uh, is a new hope just a better movie for me because I saw it when I was seven and I'm, I'm a, I'm an, well, I'm a Gen Xer, but you can call me a boomer. It doesn't matter. You know what You're I'm saying? You're a Gen Xer. Though. Come on, Pete. <laughs> right. 1970 well, is, is like pure Gen Xer territory. I, well, and I mean, the thing is, I, I absolutely agree with you, but as a Gen Xer, if somebody calls me a boomer, the worst thing I can do is try and fight it off. That's true. You you internalize enough irony <laughs> in your Gen Xer upbringing to know that you just need to deflect it <laughs> rather than rather than resisting it. See, because boomers boomers are the ones who just get mad and indignant, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. They go red faced and like I just have to laugh along or or hand you a lollipop or whatever it is. But I I, I can't. If you rage back, you just look ancient. <laughs> That's so true. God, there's a whole Robert Holy Kill down, but we're not going to do it. But uh, I mean, we could at some point, but. I think I think that, that that what's notable about it is like I'm even even at a very young age I got and I got partly because I was told to be clear here but I was told and I agreed with that you know a new hope empire strikes back return of the jedi I knew from a very young age these were better than episode 1 um and I and yet I associated them and they came out of a distant misty past right because my parents had seen them when they were when they were young I guess my parents were teenagers when um, uh, A New Hope came out. And, yeah, so, I mean, that had been part of their youth, their 
early adulthood. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, if you're if you were born in 1990, the original trilogy already felt ancient to you. It wasn't that long ago, but when you're a kid, Jeez. you know that feels <laughs> that feels like ancient history. I mean, yeah, but like, oh, it that, makes sense, right? And I mean, we've had occasion on this podcast to do a lot of interesting comparisons about that era. I think we we always find ourselves landing in that cultural moment between let's say 1975 and 1985 because that's where you get things like Neuromancer, Blade Runner, you get things like Star Wars, you get things like Alien. Um, you also get things like David Lynch's Dune, which is again, when I I bring this up partly to say like it is wild to look at films that came out within a few years of each other, A New Hope, Alien, and David Lynch's Dune. Those are three wildly different ways to make a science fiction movie. And they were all Buckaroo Bonsai, same Buckaroo Bonsai. Yeah, okay. So like those four are just wildly different ways. They're all American made studio blockbusters with big budgets. Uh, and they're all so they're all trying to hit a similar market niche and they're just so radically different. I mean, I think one of you know, one of the big complaints that our friends over on Struggle Session and and elsewhere across the internet are constantly registering about contemporary mass culture is like whether or not you think all those movies are good, I think they're all certainly interesting in their own way. I think some are better than others. Uh, but you know, they're all they're all doing something radically different um, while trying to aim at, a, at a, you know, a pretty homogenous audience that they all four share. You don't see that anymore. Like there's just there's too much savvy and too many things are sort of preordained about how things will be done aesthetically. And when we're looking at things like the new Star Wars trilogy um, or the new Star Wars universe, basically, like we take our pleasure in like those moments of divergence from like very rigidly established norms that we know we're walking into. Like you're not going to walk into a Star Wars movie and get something as weird and corny as David Lynch and, and but also spooky as David Lynch's dude. I mean, if you did, that would be awesome. You'd be like, oh. whoa. <laughs> but well, and it's getting more and more methodical on their part. Like, um, uh, you know, I like we don't we don't want to go too deep into baby Yoda discourse, but what's <laughs> what scares me about it is a bunch of guys in a boardroom said, let's make something that everybody is going to find adorable. And then they proceeded to do that. And that's not something that could have been done 20 years ago, at least not to the extent it was. And that scares me a little. Like, yeah, I mean, you think about the original Yoda and how many people with like different kind of swashbuckling uh, film backgrounds. There's probably a handful of people came up with that concept uh, and like, we're like, yeah, OK, this Yoda guru is going to be this weird little wrinkly alien who, you know, acts kind of like a drunken, the drunken master uh, archetype, you know, Uh and then it's like flash forward to Baby Yoda. It's like probably literally hundreds of people had input on Baby Yoda throughout the production process. And a lot of those people were saying this is going to play really well on Twitter and Instagram. And they were right, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so somebody was arguing about exact eye width. I mean, you know it. Yeah. And compare that to like, you know, H.R. Geiger having like mad genius control over the art design of Alien, which has gone down as a really lucrative franchise over decades in its own right. It can't hold a candle at Star Wars because, I mean, nothing could hold a candle at Star Wars when it comes to being right. lucrative. Not even Marvel, I don't think, over time. But um, regardless, like, yeah, I mean, that, that difference, it's like, yeah, there's a lot to like about the new Star Wars movies. And, you know, whether it's this month or at some point, we're definitely going to talk a lot about that. I mean, we already had an episode on Rogue One, um, which we might have to revisit because there's just a lot to be said about it, on my, for me at least, because it's my favorite Star Wars movie. All right. 
It took us less than 20 minutes in Star Wars month to get to Baby Yoda and also for me to say that Rogue One is my favorite. So you're all going to be <laughs> mad at me now. Uh, <laughs> anyway, we got that out of the way. Um, but it, yeah, it. this is really, this is interesting. This episode has turned into a, just a, a, you know, a moment of reflection <laughs> on how the kind of mass cultural forms that you and I are interested in uh, have really radically altered within your lifetime. And it's kind of dizzying to contemplate, isn't it? Yeah. Well, when you think about the nature of this podcast and what we do, like if you and I both took flashcards and we wrote down what we thought this podcast was about there, I mean, we'd end up with a Venn diagram. Like there's overlap. We both believe that some of the central core things are the same, but we both have our own outliers that are important to us. And where that that pushes us is into this sort of analysis of the work and how how it interacts with other people and i i'm for it i think i think it makes I, I feel like i'm doing an ad for us now but it kind of makes us unique out out there there aren't many podcasts doing what we do i think oh and definitely I, hey i mean people Look, just today, people were tweeting that at me, so I'm going to take I'm take the fans seriously. And when they say that we're unique, I'm going okay. to accept that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, not, not it's not just tooting our own horn. You're totally right. I think we're in an interesting position to assess things like Star Wars because we do come from such different backgrounds. Um, yeah, I think we'll find a shocking amount of common ground this month, though. Like, uh, that's the cool thing as well. I mean, I think the things that speak to us about Star Wars are similar. I think it's also hard now, though, to avoid looking at Star Wars through the lens of like how deranged the internet discourse has gotten around it. Like to a point where I have tried to sort of unravel it for myself and understand it. And it's just impossible because the things that people are mad about, like everyone's mad about how they handled Luke Skywalker in the last, uh, you know, main trilogy, main new trilogy, whatever. I can't have to <laughs> describe what you're talking about. Yeah, um, <laughs> the last Jedi is what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, like it, <laughs> Everyone's mad about that, and you try to figure out what they're mad about, and it's just very hard to understand. They're essentially because essentially they're mad that <laughs> Luke got killed off and was replaced by a girl. I think that's what they're mad about. I think <laughs> I can't. I, I mean, yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't think that's an unfair characterization, and it's um, one of the things that's so interesting to me about the Star Wars expanded expanded universe, like from Legends to The Last Jedi, is that there is so much there that everybody gets to design their own mental picture of what Star Wars is. And so it gives you an infinite number of reasons to be pissed off. Yeah. It, it, yeah, because Star Wars is so culturally pervasive and because it's existed in very different forms um, at different points in our in our cultural history, uh you know, it 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 is this interesting because this roadmap to track, you know, all kinds of things. And one of the things that you're that we're both alluding to here is just like you, the radically different ways that people have have created an intimate, loving relationship with this material is staggering to me. Like so, a lot of people in the year of our Lord 2019 seem to be walking around thinking that the point of Star Wars all along was that Luke Skywalker was like a badass alpha male archetype who was like, uh, I don't know. They don't, I don't think that he was fighting against feminism, but like they think that feminism is a threat to Luke Skywalker. And I, 
I don't know how you get that out of the actual text, but they have. Yeah. (laughs) It's, I mean, it's, uh, and I mean, there's a lot more, there's a lot more evidence that he was horny for his cousin than, that he was threatened by feminism. Well, I mean that, that we know for sure. I mean, that's (laughs) something we'll get into, I'm sure. But like it, uh, it's, it's less, I mean, that's what I'm saying is like to, to take a text like Star Wars, uh, where Luke has, I mean, this is not a critique, but like he's, I mean, Luke Skywalker is one of the all-time uh, chosen one figures in, in uh, you know, the last century of of storytelling. Um, mm-hmm. So is Anakin, uh, aka Darth Vader. So that's, that's, that adds an interesting element yeah. of spoilers. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, someone out there is going to get mad at us for being like, I didn't know that yet. <laughs> Uh, so, okay. There's a lot, there's, there's more, there's more layers there than just the kind of straightforward Harry Potter chosen one. Okay. Fair enough. But like to then turn around and be like, Ray is a Mary Sue because she just emerges out of nowhere and is good at things. And I'm like, did you watch the original trilogy? (laughs) I don't, I mean, again, we should, we could do a whole episode trying to figure this out. And probably when we have people like our friend Luke on, they can give us some guidance, but it just, I cannot like trying to put myself in the headspace of someone who thinks these things. And I'm just like, you have, you need to, I mean, part of it. Okay. Here's where I'll, here's where I'll be self-serving and snobbish at the same time. One thing I love about this podcast is it gives us a chance to open these lines of dialogue and kind of bring people into uh, discourses about the narrative arts that, Clearly, a lot of people out there have been deprived of because if they hadn't been deprived of, you know, good critical discourse about narrative arts, they wouldn't be thinking these loopy, sad things about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or maybe they would, but like they'd have less, you know, they'd have less of an excuse, at least. Let's put it that way. Um, anyway, that's that's a God, that's a that's a whole that's a whole different path for us to go down sometime. But um <laughs> Yeah, I want to ask you, like, I mean, you know, you saw Star Wars and you saw A New Hope when you were seven years old. Like, yeah. how has this evolved for you over time? I mean, how, how important has Star Wars really been to you? Well, I would say um, even it, I, I think it takes up less and less of my headspace. Like, it took up a lot of my headspace when I was seven. But <laughs> it, <laughs> I mean, how could it not? But I would say that it, it's. Wow, that's a really good question. Um, Star Wars is always going to be important to me, but it's important to me in the way that a guy in his 40s watches a science fiction movie. Like, they're, um, they fit together. They tie to my childhood. I think they're well done. Even even the bad ones I like on some level. Like, um, I think the last time we talked about the Clone Wars on or I- any of those uh, on the podcast, I got really mad about it, but I think our talk with Luke has kind of chilled me out on it. I mean, the, on some level, those are, uh, movies for kids and it's not what changed is me. Like I'm no longer seven years old. Like there are other problems too, but I mean, a yeah, there, hold on. There are other problems with clone wars. Yeah. Let's, let's be real here. <laughs> sure. But like the, the, okay. Like leaving things like slavery aside. Um, what, that's which not is even a, my problem with it. It's just a corny, this is just corny, badly done movies. Like those, that whole, 
a prequel trilogy. I'm sorry, keep going. Oh, no, no. Well, and Jar Jar Binks. Like, there's all sorts of things. But, like, a lot of the things that really pissed me off in the theater, like the pod racing really made me angry. And I'd have loved that when I was a kid. I'm so glad to see you growing here, Pete, and just realizing the, the errors <laughs> of your past ways. I think, though, you told the story once in the pod. I think to get Star Wars month kicked off, I do think you should tell us what happened when you went to saw episode one. Went to see it, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> well, you know? I walked out. <laughs> That's what you're talking about. Didn't you try to get your money back, though? Yes, yes, I I, <laughs> I, I went up and I demanded my money back, and uh, I'm not very proud of that, but... It, it, was, tw- it was 20 years ago, Pete, it's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, well, I mean, God damn it, they're monetizing my childhood, and they're not even doing a good job, and, and the whole, like... The the Jar Jar Binks thing I got advance notice about, but like the thing where his mom's a slave and the Jedi show up and like buy him and they're like, okay, later mom, and they bail. Like, what is happening here? What is happening? Yeah. I'm- although, although I don't know as much about Star Wars as you or about our guest as our guests will, but um, I will say though, it does seem like the Jedi Order historically was fairly okay with slavery, one of their many problems, right? Yeah. Well, and droids are slaves. They are sentient beings that have that call people master. I mean, what do you want? It's true. I mean, you know, I think that the Star Wars universe has always been clear, relatively speaking, about the amount of exploitation and oppression that exists within it. I mean, it really, you know, it is at its core a story about fighting an evil empire. Uh, that's that's what drives the narrative forward. I guess. Sorry, it's about other things, but that's where the narr- that's where the that's where the the central conflict of the actual installments tends to come from. But in um, some ways, it looks like the Confederacy versus the Nazis. I mean, like, what what sort of evil are, or is your choice here? I mean, yeah, that's a whole. That is something we'll have to get into. It's like uh, the because the the Rebel Alliance. Uh, I'm thinking original trilogy mostly, but like, they're in, it's not it's not made up of. Entities that are all completely woke. Um, some of them are like some of them are like vaguely liberal monarchies. Some of them are worse than that. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Are there any like actual like are there any um, states in the Star Wars uh, canon that are like what we recognize as liberal democracies that hold elections? Uh well, I think I think Alderaan might have been no, no, because they had a princess. I was going to ah. say Alderaan's a monarchy. I thought. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it was blown up anyway. But uh, <laughs> this is a question for like Luke or Kelsey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not expecting you to know off the cuff all the different Thank states you. in Star Wars. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to know if you could think of any. I guess the point being that, like, no, I mean. That gets to the heart of why Rogue One is my favorite, uh, because Rogue One is all about immensely imperfect people in an immensely imperfect resistance movements made up of immensely imperfect polities, you know, sacrificing themselves uh, in the in the vague, perhaps delusional hope that they might be able to defeat a worse empire. And that is so much closer to the actual realities of political struggle than, um, you know. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've been um, I've been cat sitting for a friend, which I mean, this is a good friend because I'm allergic to cats, uh, but they have Disney Plus. So I've been watching The Mandalorian and it's good, folks. Interesting. OK, I haven't seen it yet because um, I don't have Disney Plus and I guess I could probably get a password from somebody. But um, I, I really- I'm thinking to go ahead. 
I don't want to give them money. That's my problem. And I feel like such a tightwad about it. But like Disney has gotten enough of my damn money over the years. <laughs> I mean, look, that is that is very fair. I mean, I'm curious about The Mandalorian. I don't feel compelled to watch it. But as we as we know, famously on this podcast, I don't feel compelled to watch almost any TV. <laughs> so to your uh, credit. I, I guess to my credit. I mean, I should probably, to be honest, if I traded some of my Twitter time for TV time, I'd probably be a healthier person. But <laughs> um, it is what it is. But uh, yeah. I think you should, I mean, we could maybe do an episode about it, probably just not involving me. But stay tuned for that. But um, yeah, again, I think one thing to note about Star Wars Month is we're not going to get to all the things that you or we would want by you, I mean the fans. By we, I mean uh, <clears throat> Chewie and myself uh, would want <laughs> us to get to. <laughs> that was more Yoda, whatever. It's I mean, okay. I think you're doing great, Pete. You're doing wonderful, man. Uh, but we're not going to get to all the things that we would want to in one month of episodes. But we're going to hit on, you know, we're going to have some people to talk about some original trilogy. We're going to have some real Star Wars heads on to talk about what they want to talk about. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I, I look forward to learning more about Star Wars. It's always been around there in my life. I haven't, you know, I haven't dived deep into things like KOTOR or the novels. We're going to read at least one of the books. Um, yeah. There's a lot of comic books. I guess I have read some of the comic books at various points, but... We'll need to talk about those. Um, I suspect I will want to do Splinter in the Mind's Eye as a solo episode because it's such an interesting, weird little bit of history. And, like, I want to stay your friend and I don't want to inflict that book on you. <laughs> What's so weird about that? I mean, give me a preview. Okay, well, uh, it was written by Alan Dean Foster. And the thing about Alan D. Foster, uh, you know how there used to be all of those books in drugstores that are based upon the movies that, that came out for that summer? Yeah. He wrote an incredible percentage of those books. Like, he did Aliens, he did Terminator, he did all of those. And Splinter in the Mind's Eye, he did at the direction of George Lucas. And the idea was that it was going to be The Empire Strikes Back. So he gets it out the door. It's in the it's in the bookstores, and Lucas changes the script, and so it's a oh. it yeah it, it's a book describing uh, like a bunch of bad ideas that never got enacted. Basically, <laughs> I'm sure Alan Dean Foster, uh, despite being clearly a mercenary, uh, was probably not <laughs> not happy about this. I can only imagine he was a little pissed. Like, and I I gotta give him credit. Like, he's he's done a workman like professional job of putting out everybody's movies as books for like 40 years. Like, it's it's. And, and this is the only time I've ever heard of a being snake bit that bad, but I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't know. We may not get to that one, but we're gonna re- we're gonna read at least one. I think we agreed that we're gonna do one that you think is among the very best. Um, oh yeah, the uh, to all the Star Wars heads out there, the the word of the day is Thrawn. Okay, Thrawn. Thrawn is coming. <laughs> I don't know what Thrawn means, but it's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to order that as soon as I get through my slammed period here at the end of the semester. Writing school, folks. Writing school is happening. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm totally looking forward to that. Um, yeah, man. Gosh, there's so much to be said about Star Wars. And we're going to try to say a lot of it. But yep. uh, anything else we want to talk about this time, Pete? Oh, um, let me think about it. Uh, no. <laughs> no, I, I I think we've pretty much covered it. I, it's a uh, uh, as much as anything, this episode is sort of an announcement of what we're up up 
to and giving people a chance to hear a little bit of our approach. And uh, I think we've done that. Yeah. So everyone, we hope that you will join us for more of Star Wars Month. Um, we are in the process of lining up some great guests, uh, some of whom are already lined up. And I think it's going to be absolutely as much fun as our previous theme months, if not more so. I'm really looking forward to it, honestly. Partly because it allows me to just watch some cool movies again rather than uh, worrying about reading books, which I think is a her- very heretical, <laughs> heretical thing for me to say as a writer. But hey. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I am, yeah, I'm pumped for Star Wars Month. We hope you are too. You know, this is where I have to say it. May the force be with you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.